We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. If your life is busy and you're always crazy on the move and you really can't find time to meet with God, well, you can find time to meet with God because we have a tool for you that I think you're going to find amazing and just perfect for this season, this busy season of your life. We've got Karis Snyder with us. She loves to share the hope of God through speaking, writing, coaching, and leading worship. She's the author of Anxiety Elephants, a 31-day devotional, and Anxiety Elephants, a 90-day devotional for tween boys and girls. From her own personal experience, she helps women in their journey of overcoming depression, anxiety, fear, and shame. Karis lives with her husband, Brandon, and her two daughters in Coleman, Alabama, and she's live with us now. Good morning, Karis. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me today. Oh, it's so fun to have you on the show. It's fun how we have developed this friendship over years of being able to watch your ministry unfold and the beautiful things that God is doing. We just celebrate you. We think you're awesome, and we love the work that you're doing in the world. So thank you. Well, I want to thank you guys for letting me partner with you and just the work that you're doing for the the families that you speak to on a daily basis. And just to to be a part of this, it just fills my fills my cup this morning. Yay. Ours too. So your book, Karis, is called Carline Mom Devotional, 100 Days of Encouragement for the Mama Who Gets Everybody Everywhere. I have to tell you, when I was a little girl, I was the little girl who played with dolls. I was the little girl who my ambition and like my heart's desire was I was going to be a mama and I was going to be a good one. And I was, I was an awesome mom until I had my first child. (laughs) And that's when things went south for me. But I have had some, I, I tell you what, when I have failed as a mom, that is some of the most painful moments I have experienced in my entire life. And I know that, I know you're a great mom, Karis, but I know that you're not a perfect mom. How has Christ sustained you in the hard days as a mama? And I know that's going to bleed out into your book, but just give us a little teaser on how God has met you in that way. You know, just hearing you talk about, you know, you were going to be the perfect mom and the good mom. I I put that same expectation on myself. And I bet if other moms are listening, they said the same thing. You know, I thought I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm going to take care of my girls. I'm going to get it right every single time. You know, there will be no, I won't let my kids down. I won't let God down, you know, and that's how I started out. And then I came home with, with my first, my oldest, who's now in high school. And we got home and there was like, there was no, no doctor there, no nurse there. It was just me and my husband and, and her and, and she cried and I didn't know what to do. And I would try, you know, and then I, I looked through over these years and even last night, you know, I try to keep it very real with you guys here, me and my youngest, we, we had, you know, kind of a, a head to head blow over some things. And I did, I went to bed wondering have I failed? God, have I let, let you down? Have I let her down? And, you know, in these moments I'm learning, I'm learning because it is a learning process for us in this motherhood journey that God is not asking me to be perfect. He knew there was no way I could ever get perfection. What he's asking of me is to just surrender and to say, okay, here are my weaknesses. Here's what I need help with, or, or here are these children who are really not mine. They're truly yours. God, Mm -hmm. you, you gave them to me, help me 
give me wisdom, give me grace to, to know what to do. And, and many of the times he helps me hiding in the bathroom, eating chocolate on my knees, praying, you know, okay, God, what, you know, I have my secret stash of chocolate. Now I need, <laughs> I need you to speak to my heart here. So there's lots of moments of prayer, lots of moments of just getting in his word and just being vulnerable with God and knowing that, that I can be that he meets me in that vulnerability and he helps me one, you know, step one day at a time to grow in surrender to him as a mom. I don't know where we got this idea, Karis, that as followers of Jesus, we need to be perfect because that is not the gospel at all. And I think the remedy is when we feel and we know that we're imperfect is to just come back to the gospel, to come back to the good news of God's grace. It's not what gets us in the door, just what gets us in the door of the kingdom. The gospel is the whole house. And so how has the gospel helped you in those moments, like even last night, butting heads with your daughter? How has the gospel you know, helped you to overcome that sense of, I got to be perfect? Yeah, I think back to Second Corinthians, you know, I think it is chapter um, 12, where it talks about his grace is sufficient in our weaknesses. Um, and just to know that, okay, weaknesses is there. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a part of who we are. And, and I can look back in my life 12 years ago, and, and I did put this expectation of perfection on myself. And that did not come from God. That is an unrealistic expectation that, that, you know, I think that the world at times, maybe we buy in from that, from the world or the mm-hmm. enemy puts that on us of, oh, God can't use you. Oh, there's no way God's going to let you be, be a mom. You know, you failed your kids. It's too late now. And um, I, I think what the gospel has shown me is that that God loved us long before we knew him mm-hmm. long before I came into relationship with him. He loved me first, not because of what I've done, but because of who he is. So we can take this expectation of perfection off of ourselves and be still in his presence. That's one thing that I've learned. And I've also learned that his love is unconditional. Like I can't, I can't lose his love. My children cannot lose his love. And, and he keeps no record of our wrongs no record of our wrongs. And I, and that is something for me to know that his grace is there and I can lean on it and that his strength will come through in my weaknesses. How much stronger is he than any strength that I have in anything? His strength is so much better than that. And I think for us as moms, when we relieve ourselves of that pressure of perfection that God never put on us, when we relieve ourselves of that, his, his grace comes in and it just, it gives us peace and it gives mm-hmm. us freedom to to walk in this calling as a mom. Karis, I can, I mean, I'm a dad and I don't have little kids right now, but I can completely identify with my life is just so fast and I have more responsibility in my life than I ever have, even when my kids were small. And I have a, I have a lot of anxiety at times that I need to, I need to offload. I need to keep offloading this anxiety. And so you're speaking to the mom who's always on the move, taking kids everywhere. They don't really have time to meet with the Lord, but I can identify with this as well. So what can I do with juggling so many things and always having anxiety and feeling like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Yeah. You know, I, 
I think, and this is just a personal thought here, but I think a lot of times because we are such an anxious people right now, we feel, we tend to want to be busy. We want to busy our time, busy our schedules, our lives, because then we can not, we can kind of avoid the anxiety that we feel. Maybe it's um, avoiding a situation that we might be going through because we don't like to do hard things. I don't like to do hard things. I want to stay in my comfortable place. You know, I want everything to be easy and it's just not that way. You know, we were told, Jesus told us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because he's overcome. So one thing that I am learning that we can all even practice this together is that we can start saying no. No is not a bad word. You know, those two little letters are so powerful. And if you think about it in this way and using no as a not a bad word, there is margin in many places of our life, right? It's it's healthy to have margin in your finances, healthy to have margin in the food you eat. You know, I love a donut, but I have to enjoy that within margin. I can't eat those all the time, every day, 24 seven, it's within margin. So if we have margin in our finances and our food and the the other things that we do, we need to have margin in our schedules, mm-hmm. margin in how you are, how you are living your life, how you're planning things out. So look at your schedule. Are you, are you saying yes to all the things to being PTO mom, PTA mom, homeschool mom, the, the carpool mom that gets all the kids to the activities and then takes them home? What's your why behind that? Are you trying to busy your schedule? Are you trying to please people? And then look through and figure out where you can say no. Where can you put that margin? Because that's a healthy thing. And we have to start teaching our brains that it's okay to be still. That's not being lazy. You're not being lazy if you have space within your schedule and your mm-hmm. time. You're giving your body a moment to rest. And you're learning to say yes to the God things and not just all the good things. You know, I want to talk a little bit about, this is such a passion of yours, but about mental health, because it has been so taboo. It was the thing that we didn't talk about for the longest time, which is actually ridiculous. It's silly because we don't try to hide it or we're not trying to avoid a conversation about if we stub our toe or slice our hand open and need stitches or whatever. Like, And yet mental health has been this taboo thing. And I think it's one of the tactics of the enemy If he can keep us from talking about it and we don't share what's going on inside of us, then not only do we continue to have that going on inside of us, but we've also got this shame that kind of comes along with it and all the things. So talk to the mama who's just feeling like, okay, yeah, I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm stressed. I'm depressed. But she feels alone in it today. Man, you know, I can remember I remember being there and I thought, you know, if I hold on tight to this anxiety and depression that I'm dealing with, if I don't let anyone in, then it'll be okay. But what was actually happening is as I squeezed it tighter to myself, it was actually taking a hold of me. It was like a web just wrapping me tighter and tighter and paralyzing me in fear and isolating me away and causing that loneliness and that dread to come in. And the enemy's voice, you know, he would just get louder and louder of, of you're hopeless, you're purposeless, mm-hmm. you're useless, you know, you're, you're worthless. And, and it was in those moments that God began to come in, you know, and just shine that light. We were just talking about this over the break, the John one five verse, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So mama, if you're sitting there in darkness, first of all, know the light has overcome the darkness. It has not 
overcome you. And God wants you to know that today. And, and one of the most powerful things that God allowed to happen in my life was during a play date with another mama friend. And she asked me how I was doing, Shauna. And it was in that moment that I was so tired of wearing the, oh, I'm good. I'm fine mm-hmm. mask. I, I didn't want to wear it anymore. I was tired and it felt too heavy. And I told her, I said, you know what? I'm dealing with some anxiety and some depression. And with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said, you too. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, me too. It gives me chills even to think about yeah. it today. And I said, me too. And so I think that's what one thing that God wants this, these sweet moms to know who may be riding in their car this morning or drinking their coffee. You are not alone. You are not alone. And whatever your struggle is mentally, if it is anxiety, if it is depression, if it's fear, the should bully, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, you're not alone and God loves you. And he invites us to come and to lay all our burdens. That means all. So all the things big and little, and you can lay that at his feet. You don't have to do it on your own anymore. You can know that asking for help is actually the right thing to do. Galatians 6, 2 tells us to bear one another's burdens. So let people in, invite them in. I know it's scary. It was scary for me, but the first time I did it, it freed me up and helped me to realize that there was so much more to this. There's Mm -hmm. so much more to our life that God has for us. We just have to be willing to let that help come in from him and from others around us and and to choose to step out of the yeah. isolation, to choose to step forward. And one step at a time, you're going to feel that light shine more and more on you and on your life. And I pray the courage of Christ over you to speak what is going on inside of you. And in the in what you just shared with us, Karis, you, you briefly mentioned the should bully. And I feel like we yeah. need to give that just a little bit more space. <laughs> Unpack that. What is the okay. should bully? So when I say the should bully, and I have to be very careful when I say that because my Southern twang, people are like, wait, did she, what did she just say? <laughs> you know, look, you, think about this for a should. minute. The, the should bully, okay? We okay. are shooting on ourselves, all right? Ooh. So something, right? I know. I was careful. I said it very carefully. We are, we, we say, oh, I should be like the mom on social media. I should be able to get to all of my kids' games. I should be able to lead this ministry to work my job well, to never be tired, to eat healthy. You know, we should Mm. all over ourselves. And then when we don't do that, here comes the shame. Mm -hmm. The should bully brings that shame over us. And then we we just think that we're failing and we're never going to measure up. But thankfully... The good news is there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He did not come to shame us. He came to rescue us. He came to redeem us. He came to pour out his grace on us. So if you feel that thought process, you know, that should bully, just know when that voice comes that if it is a voice of shame and condemnation, that is not of God. And you can cast that out. You can say, nope, you don't get to stay in my head today. That is not my heavenly father speaking to me. And, you know, we, we have to pivot. And sometimes for me, I have to like it's social media a lot of times. If I find that I'm looking at other moms' posts and comparing myself, it's stealing my joy. So I have to get off. I have yep. to walk away. I have to unfollow that that uh, you know profile, whatever it is. And I just have to remember that everything I see on social media, ninety five percent of it is not real. And it's other people feeling like they have to listen to that bully. So let's all decide together. We're not going to should on ourselves anymore. The voice of truth always tells a different story. Mm -hmm. The lies are always just that. They're lies. And when Satan speaks, he's speaking his mother tongue. His language is lies. 
But the voice of truth tells us a different story. You're loved. You're precious. God sings over you. He delights in you. He even likes you and me. Harris, there's a guy listening right now. There's a woman listening right now. They just feel overwhelmed by life. There's just too much coming at them. And they just feel ashamed because they feel like they're falling short and they are falling short and they've blown it. It's just a place of, man, I need some wind in my sails. What can you say to that guy? What can you say to that woman? First, I would want to tell them that, that they are not alone. And that God sees them, hears them and loves them. And he has not abandoned them. And I know, you know, when I find myself there in those moments where I feel overwhelmed and like everything is just falling apart, I look to the example of Christ, you know, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and we hear him say, you know, to those disciples, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He knew that he was about to literally bear the weight of the world on his shoulders and he was going to be separated from his father for the first time ever. And he acknowledged what he was feeling what he was experiencing in that moment. So I would say to you, friend, to acknowledge what you are feeling and experiencing. Second, to have that community around you. And third, even in that example that Jesus gave us, we see him go into the garden and meet with his Abba. He met with his father and he was very transparent and vulnerable in his prayers. It wasn't some eloquent words. It wasn't, you know, this long, beautiful prayer. It was just, hey, if this cup can pass from me, father, let it yet not my will, your will be done. And so we see him be honest to his father. And then we see him surrender to what God is going to do for him. And in that moment, God did not shame him. God met him where he was. He strengthened him to walk the path that he had for him. And where would we be if he had not done that? So our heavenly father will do that for Jesus. He will do that for you. He will strengthen you. He will help you to get up and to keep moving forward on this path that he's called you to. I'm thinking of a passage right now, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Mm -hmm. Now it springs up. That's the word right now for that person, I think. Yeah. That's so good. We're talking with Kara Snyder. She's the author of Carline Mom. It's a devotional. And you were talking about earlier, this is a, a few minutes ago in a conversation, you were talking about how there was a time when you felt worthless and like you had no purpose and that sort of thing. The Carline devotional is an opportunity. It's bite-sized chunks of opportunity for us to know that we're not purposeless. We're not worthless. We're full of purpose. We're full. We have an opportunity as moms to influence our kids throughout the day. So share with the the mom today who is feeling that she just lacks. You know what I mean? I think Psalm yeah. 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. We tend to think, I'm, I don't have this. I don't have this. I'm lacking this. I'm lacking that. So talk to the mom who feels like, or the dad, who feels like they yeah. lack. I would, you know, I would say that we all feel that if you think it's just you, please know that it's not just you and know in those places where you think you lack, God will pull, pour in and be full for, you know, F-U-L-L. He'll help you be purposeful, hopeful, useful. He sees that in you. You know, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we were a masterpiece created in advance. Good works Mm. in advance, mama. Good works in advance, dad. He already created those in advance for you. So he knew you were going to be the parent for these children, however you got here. 
So that means that if he saw that, he will equip you to do whatever it is in front of you. I don't know what that looks like for you, for your children, for your teenagers, but I know that God will equip you to do that, to be full of whatever it is that you need to be full of in this moment, in this day to walk forward. And we know that in all things, we can trust him. Even if our circumstances change, even if things are hard, God is always good. His love is steadfast and his mercies are new every morning. So whatever mercy you need right now, it's brand new. It's not leftover crumbs on the table. It is brand new for you today. When I was a teenager, I would fall into a sin or choose to sin, and I kept it to myself. I never once confessed my sins to anybody when I was a teenager. Nobody confessed their sins to me. I didn't see it modeled. By the time I got to college, I began to agonize about the shame of my teenage sins, and I I couldn't keep it inside, but I didn't know what to do with it. But I had people in my life who were modeling, who were showing me what it's like to be vulnerable and open about their sins. And it gave me the freedom to open up. And it was liberating. Now, I have fallen into sin a lot of times in my grown-up journey with Jesus, but one thing I cannot do is keep it to myself or just confess it to God because it was so painful living all those teenage years and struggling so much and keeping it to myself and then finding the freedom of sharing that with a, with a trusted friend, you know, a really trusted friend, you know, I just, I can't, I, you know, when I, if I stumble, my inner circle is going to know about it because I know that when I, when I bring that into the light, it, it breaks the chains mm-hmm. and I've learned and I'm still learning to fail forward when I fail, how can I learn from this? And, and part of it is, is humbling myself and, and bringing that into the light with somebody that's, that's trusted. Right. I think it's important who we pick to share that with. You mentioned inner circle, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, this is probably not something you're going to post on Facebook, No. but we can, you know, we've got people in our lives that we can trust and that we can share with. And it does take courage to, to have an honest conversation, a really vulnerable conversation and to, to share something, bring it into the light with someone. But I think that choosing wisely helps. Yeah. And maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're suffering in the darkness. You're just filled with shame because of what you've done and you've never shared that with anybody. And I just, I want you to, to think about who you could share that with. I want you to, Think about, take God, help me to take a risky step and bring that into the light. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. What? Why? So that you might be healed. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That we can experience the healing of God and the healing of the Holy Spirit as we confess our sins to a human being who knows Jesus and you can trust and 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. It's present tense. The blood of Jesus continues to cleanse us from sin. So, 
So walking in the light is, is, is certainly living a life where we cause the people around us to flourish, but it's also bringing sin into the light because we're not there yet. We haven't arrived yet. Right. We still have, I still sin every single day, but the Holy Spirit is in me, you know, winning that battle. And part of winning that battle is, is saying, man, I'm, I just, I blew it here. I blew it there. You know, me and my son have that kind of relationship where we can, you know, we've shared our greatest, some of our greatest failures. Yeah. I think that the, I mean, I don't know, I haven't done the research. I don't know what the percentage is, but I am a firm believer that the probability that you will continue in your sin is much greater if you keep it secret. I'll tell you why that is so true because I, I get tempted I get tempted big time, but I know, I know, I know the fallout from that. Yeah. And I know I'm going to have to, my conscience will not anymore let me keep it to myself. It's good. And I mean, it, that's a good thing. Yeah. So there's a deterrent there, but we're going to, you know, we're just not going to get it perfectly right. So again, James five sixteen, confess your sins to one another. So what? You can be healed. I think one of our deepest hopes as parents, as grandparents, is that our kids and our grandkids would catch our faith, that they would fall in love with Jesus and they would wholeheartedly follow him their entire lives. And we have a role to play. We get to, as best we can, not that we have to be perfect, but as best we can, we get to show them what it is to walk in love relationship with Jesus. I remember when I was, this was a few years ago now. Oh man, Haven was probably about 12 years old. I was leading worship at the time as it was a volunteer role, but I led a team once a month. So I was responsible for picking the songs, picking the key, you know, getting the music all ready, getting it distributed to the team, uh, communicating with the team, leading the rehearsal, and then leading worship on Sunday morning. And I would just do that once a month. Well, it happened to be, it was winter. I remember very distinctly it was winter. It was cold and snowy outside. Uh, the family, we had all had dinner together and they had headed downstairs and we're spending some family time together downstairs on the couches. And I was getting ready to go. And I felt ill-equipped at this particular time. I felt like I, I don't feel like the level of confidence that I like to have when I step into leading something. So I kind of holler downstairs, you guys, I'm leaving. See you later. Have fun. Whatever. And Haven goes, wait a minute, mom. And she shoots up the stairs and I'm thinking... You know, she just wants a hug from mom or whatever, just saying goodbye. And she goes, what's the matter? And I was like, I'm tired and I'm not feeling it. I just don't want to go to rehearsal tonight. I don't feel like I'm prepared and I just would rather stay home with you guys. And she said, can I pray for you, mom? And she put her, you know, she's 12 years old, mind you. She puts her hand on my back and she starts praying for me. And she prays this incredible, beautiful prayer, like, Lord, thank you for choosing my mom to be a worship leader. Thank you for giving her these responsibilities. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't choose her because she's organized and, and skilled. And you chose her because she has the heart of a worshiper. And, and she's already ready because she spends time with you. And I mean, just this beautiful, beautiful prayer that she prayed over me, right? I'm, I'm weeping at this point. You know, she's got me crying and the snotty nose and everything. And I'm like, oh, Haven, thank you so much. So I give her a hug and... 
I left with a totally different attitude heading off to worship team practice. But I was so blessed by my daughter, and I couldn't help but think as I was driving off to to the church for a rehearsal that night then, like, where did all that come from? You know, all that, she just had all this confidence and just prayed over me, such beautiful truths that I need to be reminded of. And I was like, where did that all come from? And in just a very humbling moment, I felt like the Lord showed me pictures in my mind of times that I and my husband had prayed over Haven. And she caught it. You know, she came by it naturally. This was a part of our life. It was normal for us to pray for one another. If we were driving in the car and we heard an ambulance, we'd pull over and then we'd say a prayer for the person that they were either headed to or that they were transporting at that time, you know, for their safety, for their healing. Yeah. My son Taylor, you know, went through a real season of deep, deep doubt in his college years about everything Jesus. Is any Mm -hmm. of this true? And one of the things that he shared with me recently was it really helped to have you modeling what it looks like to pursue Jesus. And now here's the other part of it. Me and Taylor have had conversations about how I messed up, how I had blind spots in raising him. So I didn't raise him perfectly, but he saw a genuine pursuit of Jesus, which was one of the reasons he didn't give it up, Mm -hmm. give up his faith. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, I was recently having a conversation with my kids too, just kind of asking them, what were the elements of growing up in our household, if any, <laughs> that led towards you giving your life to Jesus? And my son said, I'd say one of the things was just being immersed. I feel like just everything pointed back to Jesus. Our schooling, bedtime prayers, prayers at meals, opening up our home, just the way in which we did life, Jesus was a part of it. So it wasn't just a, a Sunday morning religious experience. It was relationship, and it just permeated all that we did. And I think that is, I mean, we see that in Scripture, that that's how God wants us to to pass on our faith, that we just make it normal and make it a part of life. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen through 21 says, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. And I think just to emphasize again, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. This is These are real-life moments where we bring the Lord Jesus into our family. Yeah. Yeah. Just make it a normal part of, of how you do life. And if, if this word, like if you're in, if you're in the heart of momming right now and you're like, okay, I can do this. I can step into this. Praise God. I pray the courage of Christ over you to step into it. If, if you're past that season and this just makes your heart hurt a little bit because you feel like something was missed. Oh man, I'm with you. I missed it in so many ways, but God is good and he's gracious and you're not late to the party. It is not too late for you and I to pass on our faith to our kids, to our grandkids, to to kids in our neighborhood, to people that we rub shoulders with. So let's let's be about this and let's trust that that God is going to do the work. Let's be open and honest about our faith, our love relationship with Jesus. And may the way that we love him be intentionally taught and may it also be caught. 
Do you know why you're here in this moment of time? I have to be honest, I've been asking myself, what are you doing, Perry? Why are you living for applause and approval so much? Because mm. I know that's not why I'm here, and you know that's not why you're here. This is why we're here from Isaiah 61. You, my friend, are an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We're here to make God famous. This isn't easy because in our culture, it just screams, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And we, we believe it. It's all about me. It's all about me. And we, we get in on the chant and we've got to be reminded. I've got to be reminded today. I'm here to make God famous. He's the sun. I'm the moon. I'm not the sun. He's not the moon. Right. I really right. reflect him. I was created by Jesus for Jesus. And that is my delight. That is the delight of a human to live for the glory of God. I think it is our natural default that we are going to always feel pulled towards wanting to be at the center and wanting everything else and everyone else to revolve around us. And the only way to write that, because that's wrong, the only way to write that is to be reminded that God is the sun and I am the moon. I am just to reflect him, right? And I am to rotate around him, not vice versa. So how do you get reminded? How do you, how do you write that when you're thinking? Cause you, you started off by just saying, man, lately I've even been thinking this, you know? Mm -hmm. So this isn't like non-believers think this and believers think this, right? right? It, it's, it's, this is all of us. We need to be set right again. So how do you go about writing the ship? absolutely don't know. <laughs> you know, there's a daily reset right now. I, I, you know, this isn't just a, just a little, you know, some encouraging readers digest thoughts that I'm sharing now, but I'm, I'm right now reminding me myself that I need to recenter on God. And, and you know, God has made us for himself and we have strong desires within ourselves that we can desire things that are good even even more than God. Mm -hmm. So you can't just, I can't just replace, I can't just remove the desire and then keep on living. I've got to desire God more than I desire anything else to put him in the first place. And so for me, it's, Lord, recapture me mm -hmm. with your love with how awesome you are, how beautiful you are, how glorious you are, how you love me at my worst. You know, this is this is the thought process. I think it's it's taking time to worship mm -hmm. Christ. Because when I worship Christ, I I'm content. I'm filled and I have really been finding that place worshiping with other followers of Jesus. On Sundays, you know, that's been a place where I really am connecting these days. But I think worship mm -hmm. because we have desires and it's not about, you know, pushing the desires down. It's about desiring Jesus Christ more than anything. That's it right there. And I think that when we worship, when we look at him, when we read scripture and we we sing truth about who he is to him. Also, you can't you can't do that and 
keep yourself at the center. It just becomes so blatantly obvious how off that is, how not right that is. And so that changes my thinking and makes my thinking come into alignment with the truth of who God is and who I am. And when we see a God who is so awesome like that, you know, so loving, it's like we get to make him famous. We get to do that. And you are also called to rebuild the ancient ruins and to restore the places long devastated. And my mind goes to places in the world where the gospel once was, but it's no longer there. Turkey, the Middle East, North Africa. These are all places where Islam reigns. And, you know, the strategy is not to go in militarily and take back those lands like they did in the Crusades, the ill-fated Crusades, but it's to say, you know what? The gospel once was there and there were people flourishing there under the gospel. And Muslims really want to know God, but they don't have the correct knowledge of God. And so, God, would you put in my heart a desire perhaps to go to one of those places, to go to the Middle East, North Africa, to go to Turkey and share the good news of God's grace and replant the gospel in those places. And I work with a ministry called Frontiers, and a great way to dip into reaching the Muslim world is to do a short-term trip. We have trips for 2024 to Northwest Africa, the Arab Gulf, South Asia, the Middle East, and the Caucasus, which is Central Asia. And if you're interested in getting a link to those trips, checking them out, just text me, 800-968-8930, 800-968-8930. And finally, God's hand is on your life. I want you to know God's hand is on your life to renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. What's been broken in your town in your city that's been broken for decades. It's just broken. It needs to be fixed. It needs a God fix. Mm -hmm. It needs a Jesus love fix. I even wonder what's been broken in your family, like in your line. Is there something generationally that's being passed down? That's good. From, you know, and from great grandparents to grandparents, to parents, to you. And you're saying no more. Mm -hmm. This needs to be, renewed. This this needs to be restored. Yes. In 1958, a, a small city pastor, little city pastor, well, small town pastor, David Wilkerson, read in the Life magazine about teenage gangs in New York. And he was a small town boy. He was just in his 20s. And he decided to go to New York City and and reach those gangs. And he went into New York City and he started sharing the gospel with the gangs. He put his life at risk. And one time he was talking to this, this gang member, Nikki Cruz. And Nikki said, I could cut you into pieces. Mm. You know, I would have just been terrified. Right. And David Wilkerson, the Holy Spirit, you know, gave him courage. And he said to Nikki, he said, if you cut me into pieces, no matter how many pieces you cut me into, Every piece would say, I love you. Nikki Cruz was born again. That's where Teen Challenge was started. Wow. David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge Hmm. by seeing a need in a city that had been broken for a long time 
And he went there and he began to lead a few people to Jesus and it led to Teen Challenge that has helped addicts and you know people who are broken like me for many, 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 many decades. So what's the need in your city, in your town? It might not be that dramatic, but it may be something that if you fix it, if you if you fix it with God, it'll have a ripple effect for many generations to come. So Lord, we want to be people who make you famous. We want to restore the places long devastated. We want to renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And so Lord, I just call on you to show us great and mighty things that we do not know. Lord, reveal to us what it is, what it looks like. God, we need to hear from you. We need a fresh commissioning to go and bring your love. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.